this is the Movie Brew, a podcast about British film and filmmakers. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Lester Gartland. Hello. How's it going, my friend? Yeah, not bad. Still got most of my mind intact from the self-isolation. Um, slowly going insane. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, So, but also uh, ran out of snacks the other day. Didn't want to go to the shops. Learned how to make no. my own biscuits. So really, I'm thriving. Whoa. Yeah. Hold on. I'm fully, That's mad. fully independent. You've, you've learned how to make your own biscuits? Yep. Yeah. How? Never have to buy biscuits ever again, man. That's, Just have to oh buy all the God, ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> what um what flavor were they? I've done uh chocolate orange OT biscuit things. Pretty Ooh, good. That sounds really nice. You know what's I'm, nice about it as well is like you know what's in them as well. Like instead of them being like full of fucking palm oil and God knows what. Yeah. It's just, you know, you know that it's just flour and oats and sugar basically. Mind you, those Sainsbury's peanut biscuits were pretty nice. So good. Right. That's what Uh, I need to do, isn't it? Figure out how to make those. Well, here's the, here's the top biscuit thing for me, right? Mm. It's, it goes, um, so Sainsbury's top three Sainsbury's, uh, peanut biscuits, those are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, then you've got the kind of like hobnobby stuff, which is kind of like sip. It's like second, but also basically Ho- the same. hobnobs. Like get I just the oats just stick in the back of my throat. I can't go on with yeah. them. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. They're not. They're a bit. They're a bit. You know, they look a bit like they've sat out in the sun for like a summer. Um, <laughs> yeah. They so they're not for they're not for everybody. They're not a pretty biscuit. Um, but my favorite, without a doubt, are like these choco. They're called like these Belgian ones. It's like choco libits. Oh you've yeah, choco libits. You've been around. Yeah, you've been around my house. Oh so yeah, they're, they're like, good. And they're, they they're more more chocolate than biscuit. They like have an overhang of biscuit. Is an overhang of chocolate around it, and it's yeah. just like it's like a little bit of biscuit, but like a fuck ton of chocolate. Yeah, and we're explicit. I've done it. Talking about biscuits, done. He's already swearing just because of biscuits. Or just because of biscuits. They're the they're like the biscuit. The biscuit to chocolate ratio is the equivalent of when I put on trousers that are too small for me. Now, that's what the chocolate looks like on top. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, that's and, that, that. and that's the only time that that's a good thing is on that biscuit. <laughs> yeah, it's the only time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was biscuit news. Biscuit news. How have yeah. you been? Uh, yeah, I've been all right. Slowly going insane, chilling yeah. at home, hanging out with my cat. Uh, I we were just kind of chilling out with Herbie. And it's kind of gotten to the point where we're treating him as our small baby child and we're just kind of holding him as if he was a baby just to <laughs> fuck with our cat for some reason because we're <laughs> terrible people. Um, and it's a really music thing to just watch this small kind of feline animal just be so confused and not know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like everyone's that's a pet owner is doing a similar sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, well, mine, um, I mean... Mine's still a very young cat. He's he's not even six months old yet. He's coming up to. And he I'm just having to teach him so many boundaries right now with me being <laughs> at home. And I'm like, like, no, you can't do that. Stop trying to eat my laptop. No, yeah. that's not a toy. Please, please stop. Fucking stop. wires, man. You know wires. what he you know what he did earlier? You know, like cats will just sit on anything. Yeah. I had my smartphone just on the on the armrest of the sofa. 
And he came up and just sat on my smartphone and I moved him off and there was like a little puckered bumhole mark on my on my touch screen. <laughs> it was just the worst part of my day. <laughs> it's awful. Oh, that's amazing. Gotta 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 use up the anti-back cleaner for that. That's mad. <laughs> yeah. Should have just boiled it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, no, we've we've all done that. I feel like that's a staple of just getting a cat, of just having a yeah, sit on puckered bumholes everywhere. Yeah. yeah that's just that's, that's live by a sword die by a sword that's how it is <laughs> that's how it is um but yeah we've got an interesting show we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about some films that we've checked out together we did our first zoom call watch a film together which uh will be interesting to talk about in <laughs> lieu of any movie news because nothing's getting made yeah. um, i do i do have a couple of tiny tidbits of movie news but nothing major Nothing oh, major. amazing! Well, that's great. Well, we can talk about that because I, I don't, I don't know anything that's getting done at the moment apart from people sitting inside. But yeah. hey, we want to talk to each other, and we want to put it out there in the world so that other people that can't talk to each other can listen to other people talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, have you announced what films we'll be talking about today yet? I was just about to. Oh, so okay. we're going to do, so uh, if you clicked on this episode, you might already know it because it's written in the title, but it's Knives Out and Dark City, mm-hmm. which you recommended to me. I like this because I feel like these are these are, are two opposing kind of uh, personalities oh, yeah, in sure. the podcast personified with two different movies. <laughs> That's what I was, I was thinking today. I was like, we're probably going to argue about these a fair bit, which will make for a good listen. I think. Yeah, that's definitely. I, I I definitely feel like these are these are movie personifications of our personalities <laughs> in films fighting it out in some yeah. sort of death match. It's going to be great, definitely. Um, but yeah, in terms of movie news, what 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 have you got for me, mate? Um, so I have one bit of interesting good news and one bit of terrible news, and I'm not okay. going to talk about any release dates getting pushed back or anything because that's boring. And we all yep. need a rest from coronavirus news, I think. So the first one, well, it's to do with coronavirus, but it's good. Um, so do you, do you like Kevin Smith films? Uh, yeah. You've I seen mean, Clerks? and I, I've seen Clerks. I watched it very late to mm. like to the, to the party I started. I maybe saw it like three, four years back. And um, just when I was like looking into like film and getting into that and stuff. And so, yeah, I, okay. I watched it. I enjoyed it. Uh, Clerks is probably my favorite of his. Actually, no, that's probably not true. It's probably Dogma. I really yeah, Dogma's enjoyed Dogma. really good. Yeah. Um, th- some of his films I just can't get on with. I just feel like they're, they're a bit too weird. Uh, mm. Zach and Mary, I enjoyed, but uh, see, I'm not, not, not that keen on that one. Yeah. I think that's like, the element of one... Seth Rogen in there. It just didn't work for me. I mean, you just hate Seth Rogen. I don't hate don't Seth Rogen. I just, you know, I've seen, I've seen his film. <laughs> yeah, you've seen his film over and over again. You're, you're sick of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was that. The ones I really don't like were like Chasing Amy. I really oh, I like Chasing Amy. I think that's quite good. Nah. But Have yeah. you seen Jersey Girl? Just no, that's the one. one that's the one of the ones I haven't seen. That that's one and Yoga was the was the yoga one. The yoga one. Oh, what, there's like a... Is that a newer one, one that I might not there's know There's a about. newer one that came out that mm. hasn't... Uh, that's got a really weird name. Uh, and it's like... I'm going to I'm gonna do this now. I'm going to do this yeah, now. Yeah, I don't, don't think I know about that one. But anyway, in my adolescence, Kevin Smith was like... Those were the films that I watched. 
Um, so anyone who's sort of into them, anyone who's seen Dogma, Clerks 2, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, anything like that, they'll probably be familiar with the uh, Kevin Reaping. Smith version of McDonald's, which is called Moobies. No. <laughs> no? And, uh, it's Well, they work They work there in Clerks 2. They visit one in Dogma and they visit one in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That's but it's, it's basically like a like a satirical kind of fast food chain. Um, and now, uh, he, Kevin Smith with, uh, with Postmates have made Mubi's restaurant a reality to, and getting, they're getting it delivered to people. And it's in support of a charity for coronavirus. So you can get a Mubi's burger. I'm assuming this is just America, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, you can get a Mubi's burger delivered to you. You can live in, in that film. That's you know, awesome. You can, you can, I'm now I'm not advocating anything, but you could get really, really high like Jane Silent Bob and then uh, order some movies. Just yeah, saying, that's, if you want. That's definitely something that could happen. <laughs> People will probably be doing that. That's um, 100% what is happening. So that's really cool. I just, I just thought that was a nice little bit of fluff. It's just, yeah, just a cool thing great. that's happening. Do you want to hear the really bad news? I just want to think about this movies thing for a while. Okay. Because before we jump into the really sad news, I am Yoga Hoses. That was the name of the film. I was just Yoga looking into that. Oh, um, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's really weird. It's, 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 it just, oh, it just seems weird. There's a lot of like, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of like Oompa Loompas in it for a bit. And <laughs> okay. it's just, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. Sometimes when films cross over the weed threshold, there's like a small invisible line. And when a film crosses that line, I'm just like, I'm not high enough for this. Cause I don't, yeah, it's, I don't it's sort of like an much. uncanny valley. Yeah. Isn't it? So and it's like, there's like, you can have like silly drug humor and that's fine. But when it is just all about that, it's like, eh, eh, okay, yeah, exactly. There's a, there's, I feel like there's certain films that just go one step too far. And I'm just like, Oh no, I'm out. I'm out because I feel like you can only enjoy this film if you're stoned, and that and it, a film for me needs yeah, to be like that's no good. Yeah, you need to enjoy it in any state, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because you can enjoy anything in that state. Yeah, that doesn't make it a good film. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. So that, that was. I also want to think like, how are they doing this movies thing? Because Postmates are just a delivery service, right? So who? Who's cooking the burgers? Well, let's. It can't do be some Kevin digging, Smith, shall we? Oh, could you imagine if it's just he's just in his kitchen, like slaving away, <laughs> oh making God. millions of burgers, just <laughs> That's killing himself for it? Um, let me have a quick look through. Uh, so, blah blah. To be, you'll soon be able to get food from movies yourself, and you can support a good cause too. Uh, I can't. I don't know, maybe the, um, probably the charity. Yeah, maybe. The charity's called Know Us Without You. They're probably, I guess they're the ones making it. Yeah, or they've probably like got like cooks in different places all making different burgers and stuff. That's massive. That's mad though. That's awesome. I do like that. It's really cool. Yeah. 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 You know what's really, um, one of the kind of more, more, um, kind of meta jokes in Kevin Smith films is, is the, the movie icon itself because it's kind of it's there to take the piss out of Mickey Mouse, but the icon is literally a golden calf. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, so bad news time. Yeah, 
Give me the bad You ready for this headline, this roller coaster of a headline? Yeah, go on. Trolls World Tour breaks video on demand record in first weekend. Wait, hold on, what? So the film Trolls World Tour, yeah. which I'm assuming is the newest in the in the Trolls. I didn't even know they were making a second universe. One. <laughs> yeah, I I I accidentally saw Trolls. It was one of those times where um, I was somewhere where I didn't have my Netflix or anything. We just had terrestrial TV yeah. and it was on. And um, we just, we like the way that it was going, we assumed it was like 20 minutes until the end of it. And then there was something we wanted to watch after. We didn't really check the time because we're idiots. And uh, no, we saw it like from the start and watched the whole thing. And it's honestly one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. But it's I've one that, like, kid, I'm sure kids love it. You know, it's one of those. I've heard it's pretty bad. Yeah. But it, I, I think it just shows how bored people are at the moment that Trails World Tour. <laughs> people has, are just desperate broken. for content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the, all the podcasts I watch have dried up as well. I, I've got a question I'm, for you, Lester, because you're not really a fan of TV shows. Mm. So you, you're more of a films man. Has this yeah. quarantine life kind of tempted you to start looking into the water of t- of TV of and stuff? Not even a bit. Really? Yeah, I just pff, can't be bothered. Why do you think that can't is? Because, be like, everyone's talking about how, like, TV's better than films these days because people are able to experience, like, longer form stories and kind of really explore <laughs> characters and stuff. I, yeah, but the thing is, right, for the majority of them, I don't think calling them longer longer form is really describing them properly most of the time it's it's a story that could be made in one to two movies being stretched out for five or six seasons and and then episodes like an hour at a time and it's just it's too it's just bloated it's just a bloated story um i like i like my stories really distilled and condensed i like all like everything in it to have meaning and yeah for me that that's what creates rewatchability i don't need everything explained in the most detail possible just to pad out an hour long episode. I just, I can't be bothered with it at all. Do you think that's, that's just been your experience them. with like series and stuff that you've been around or seen and stuff? Cause like th- there's, there's people that have been like praising really good TV shows that have been out recently. Um, I'm trying to think. I've, of- I've given, I've given most of the ones I've heard about a fair crack of the whip. Yeah. And I, I can never get through like more than 15 minutes of an episode. And, you know, and there's always that thing that I always go to when people are like, oh, yeah, you know, the first season's a bit shit. But once you through that, it's really good. So like, I don't have time for that, man. Like there's yeah. so many other things I could be watching instead of spending like, I don't know, 12 hours in one season that shit just to make it good afterwards. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not putting that time in. Like if if you're going to make a, a show, it needs to be good from the get go and grab me. I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm a bit more harsh than other people, but I don't have time for that shit. I no, really that's don't. fair enough. Like, the, and I think that more people are focusing on that because there's more limited series at the moment than mm. like Netflix originals and whatever that people are just kind of making. So people are very much focusing on at the moment making one season of something that's really good. Yeah, I'm. I'm fine if if like if a show is like a a six season and uh, six season uh, like a six episode season and then it's done and it has a a you know, a start, middle and an end and it knows what it is. Yeah. I'm absolutely fine with that. It's when they have shows like all like the big shows, they kind of start with one season then they get big and then they just start expanding on it 
just to make more seasons and get more views and get more money. And it's, uh, uh, by the end of it, by like the last few seasons, you see this in every time with TV shows, when they're starting to run out of ideas because they've, they've wrote the plot to the ground and they're just trying to keep going just to get, keep getting the views and the money. And it's, I don't know. I think it's, it's just not a good way of telling a story that means anything. That's fair. That's, 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 that's fair. If that's your, that's your opinion. I think it's, a it's lot just, of people it's just millennials kind of like, version of Coronation Street or EastEnders or, you know, it's just something that can go on forever and ever. And ah, that's, nah, kind of man, that's TikTok and YouTube go. for sure. That's, that's <laughs> the 10 minute episodes of like someone just kind of around their like bedroom or their life or whatever. Do people do episodes on TikTok? I thought it was like a, isn't that like Vine? It's kind of like Vine, but like people do, you can people do, more do six seconds. people like do stories and stuff and Why? try and try and make that fit in to wow. that small time frame. Yeah. What a, what a dystopia we live in. Yeah. It's mad. <laughs> it's mad. <laughs> uh, but wow. yeah. Well, go on then. Give me the sad news. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Well, yeah. Troll, Trolls World Tour breaks video on demand record in first weekend. The film was the highest grossing VOD title ever in terms of revenue, Universal said. Uh, oh, though no specific numbers were provided. That's probably because they're still going higher and higher, I imagine. Um, is that only you, on Disney Plus? Or is that like... No, well, it's Universal, so... Oh, that's true. It's on uh, Amazon, Comcast, Apple, Vudu, Google, YouTube, and DirecTV. Mm. So everything but. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't think that film would do that well if it wasn't on video. No, on of demand. course not. But you, but you know what it is, right? Because it's a kids' film, and kids can rewatch the same film over and over and over, and and still love it. So that's what it is. It's you know. People are stuck at home. The kids are running around. They're like, can we watch Trolls World Tour again? And like, mum and dad, uh, like, they have like a half drunk bottle of whiskey in one hand and like a half smoked pack of cigarettes in the other. And they're shaking from the stress. They're just like, yeah, just put it on. <laughs> please just put put Trolls World Tour on again That's and true. sit down for an hour, please. That's true. But also, like, we've never been in a position like this where there's been something on and like all kids everywhere around the world are just like, they're all at home. Like yeah, ev- exactly. everyone's yeah. at home and there's this one place where everyone can watch something on Amazon or whatever on yeah. using their TV or device on whatever media streaming service they use. So it's all there. And so it's just like, there's so many eyeballs just waiting to be mm-hmm. thrown at this thing. And that's the kind of big thing for kids that's come out during this time. It's naturally going to do amazingly well. Yeah. Um, and we, we used to all do it with, you know, VHSs of, you know, animated films that we loved as a kid. Yeah. Everyone did it. Um, it's just that now it's on a streaming site and it means that it's a different way of re- of generating revenue for these companies. Yeah. Maybe it will change. Maybe we'll get more streaming stuff up front because of this stuff. You think like more direct to, well, I was going to say direct to TV, but direct to on demand, I suppose. Yeah. You'd say, wouldn't you? I but- don't know. I don't know. Director VOD. Director VOD VOD. Yeah, well, I think um, we'll probably get at least a big wave of it coming out of this just because of delayed productions and things. I think some people will just bring out the smaller scale stuff straight to streaming Mm. because there'll be a lot of competition in the cinema because they'll all want to be pumping out, won't they? Yeah, I 
think I think the world after this all this stuff happens, when everyone's everyone's racing to get productions done and get films completed, is just going to be a bit a bit weird, a bit mad, but very interesting. Um, yeah. So, should we jump into our first film? Let's do it. What do you want to do first? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Knives Out. That's what I'm going to do because I'm I'm yeah. really interested to hear your take, and I'm going to defend this film to to my last breath, Lester. I think that's a good order to do it in because if I'm being honest, I probably don't have an awful lot to say about this film, and you can guide me, and then we can discuss about it. Okay, like that. Whereas Dark City, I've got like a whole essay. You know what I'm like? Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know where this is going but yeah i think you know well like this isn't going to be a super long one this this week i don't think but because both of us have just kind of just been with these films and we've had similar ex- kind of weird experiences trying to trying to watch these films at once anyway yeah um so we'll we'll see but um yeah jumping into knives out do you want to tell me what it's about yes okay so um well, yeah, it's directed by is it is is it Ryan or Ryan Johnson? Ryan Johnson. I never know. Okay, Ryan Johnson. Directed by Ryan Johnson, uh, and the storyline is when renowned crime novelist Harlan Thrombey uh, is found dead at his estate just after his eighty-fifth birthday, the inquisitive and debonair detective Benoit Blanc is mysteriously enlisted to investigate. From Harlan's dysfunctional family to his devoted staff. Blanc sifts through a web of red herrings and self-serving lies to uncover the truth behind Harlan's untimely death. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it is real fun. I don't know about you, but I really, really enjoyed this. I think for this kind of quarantine, sort of like you're chilling at home, you don't know what, like, don't know what to watch, and you just want to sit down, sit back, and just like chill with the chill with the film. This is a really this is a really good film for me. I think we... Re- yeah, I'd agree with that. We really kind of enjoyed the experience of just watching, sitting back and in, like watching this film. Um, there are certain films that kind of like when you get into it, things can be annoying or you find a, you find like the plot just a bit, especially with these kind of, these kind of like mystery fillers. You spend so much time trying to figure out what's going on there um, or who the, trying to guess in front of the movie who the killer is or whatever. Uh, yeah. didn't feel like that about this film and I have a specific writing thing I want to talk about but I'll get into that a bit later of why okay. that is um cuz uh, but overall I just said I really enjoyed it what about you man Yeah um I'm I mean I'm not like a big fan of of who done it kind of mystery murder mystery thingies um the setup so I'll I'll kind of just say what i thought of the three acts of it i suppose the first act where they're introducing all the characters i found very charming and had a kind of wes anderson sort of feel to it yeah um especially with the kind of the when he's interviewing each family member separately and it's kind of flipping back and forth between who they're talking about and all this kind of stuff i I found that really that was really well done because you immediately get a scope of their personality um, and that's done really concisely. And and I thought that that was really, really good. The second act of it um, is the sort of, I suppose, the twist where you find out, you find out who the murderer is. Um, I really, really liked that part of the film. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and then the third act, 
I, I found it dragged. I just thought the third act kind of dragged it along. Um, and maybe the third act kind of threw in too many twists and, and things that didn't really need to be there. Uh, I, I thought, so I thought like two thirds of this movie were really good. And then it just kind of, I don't know, just kind of fizzled out for me. And, and it, I found it very hard to keep my attention on it after the third act, mm. um, after the second act. That's fair. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a couple of things I kind of want to get into here. Uh, I think the performances for one, like this ensemble cast are all amazing actors. They're just in- incredible. Yeah, that's for sure. Like you can just see that, you know, they've pulled out all of the stops, all of the, all of the cast of characters that we've got here are just incredible. Uh, I don't particularly like Daniel Craig in films for uh, for reasons <laughs> that I will not share on this podcast. But um, one day we'll get the Daniel Craig story on the podcast. It'll be like a like today. if we ever set up a Patreon, it will be like a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If we can if we can start getting it uh, financed through independent sources, and then we can badmouth whoever we yeah, want. Yeah, then it won't then it won't matter. <laughs> but it's gonna be then it's gonna be great. Um, but yeah, so but I absolutely loved his character. Uh, I thought he was. I thought he was great. Um, like all of these, just these actors: Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon. Like, yeah, all of these people. Tony Collette. I love Michael Shannon. Oh, I love Tony Collette. I love Tony Collette as well. Yeah, she's amazing. Lakeith Stanfield. Just all of these. All of these guys are just incredible, yeah. incredible actors. But amongst all of this ensemble, like Anna de Armas, just sticks out as like just an just incredible performance from her is so believable from as Marta the the maid yeah as Marta the maid Mm. um and she's just so good that even when she does such a believable and grounded performance that even when her character goes a bit out there and has this kind of um condition where she cannot physically lie and gets sick or f- like feels sick when she lies. Yeah, she like physically throws up. In any other film for any other performance, that would be categorically too much. And it would just be um, almost like a, just it would turn into like caricature of like what it is. But the way she does it, it's not yeah. always played for like a comedic effect. And it's kind of, yeah, she's just such a good performance. Yeah, it's it. it's more of a it's more of a plot device sometimes, isn't it? And I I know what you mean because when um because you hear you hear about it in the film before you see it happen, mm. and when they kind of introduce that that character trait, I immediately thought like, oh Jesus, really? It's, like that that sounds too much. Mm. Um, but actually, when it's used in the film, it's it's really not. It's it's actually quite quite well done. Um. Yeah, but before we get into any more of this, I would like to just say that I don't give a shit about Star Wars, and that's not why I didn't enjoy this film too much. Because a lot of people online are shitting on it just because it's Ryan Johnson and they don't like the Star Wars that he did. Yeah, I don't care about Star Wars, so I'm completely impartial on that front. I just, I just didn't enjoy this as much as Tarek did. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm like I've got to say I, I like his movies. I think I've, I've I was really a fan of um, this first film, Brick. I thought that was a really cool. Oh, I like Brick. Yeah, that's a good um, one. I r- really thought that was great. I started checking out more of his stuff. I really enjoyed um, a film that he made uh, prior to this and the whole Star Wars thing, um, which was a film called The Brothers Bloom uh, with Mark Ruffalo and Adrian Brody. 
uh, about these two brothers that go, that go around and just like con artist basically. Um, okay. I, I think he's a great, great director and he always seems to kind of capture elements and change up his style for what he's making um, a little bit, but also has like kind of small subtle things that he does really, really well that he kind of keeps, mm. keeps himself. Uh, I liked the star Wars film that he's made. Uh, I feel like that's, not a very popular opinion, but um, apparently not. No, uh, but I, I think he's a, I think he's a really good writer, and I think he's a really good uh, filmmaker. And I'm very interested after this film to see what he does next because I feel like he's done the big franchise mm. stuff. Now he's just going to do whatever the, the hell he wants for the next. Does he films. have anything in the pipeline that you know of? Or uh, this was the big thing that I knew that he was right. he was working on. Um, I mean, it's quite ambitious to try to do a who done it film in. 2019 or 2020 whatever yeah um because i mean i mean when was the last time you saw one of those come out in the cinema probably before we were born right so yeah the, he it was it was before that i mean they did a remake of murder on the orient orient express um oh yeah and there was that clue that film was a bit of a flop though and there was that clue film that came out um so there's that but i i mean this genre is pretty much no one's done anything with it for a very long time. And um, it's really interesting to see a really big blockbuster just done originally. Because in a world where everything is just a remake and a rehash or something uh, of a big Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. And it's like, it's so nice and refreshing to see an original film with an original script be made with a whole bunch of cast and a lot of money being thrown at it um, mm. for just this singular kind of story, basically. I... I feel like um, it felt like maybe it had too much money thrown at it for me. Mm, I mean, you can't you can't get all those actors without spending a bit of cash. No, 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 not yeah. Like the the casting, um, I don't have a problem with it at all. Like it's usually if I see a cast like that, I'll probably be like, mm, too many cooks spoil the broth, you know. But um, that wasn't the case for this film. But I just mean, um, I mean, I'm 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 really talking about the third act again. There's just there's there's so many scenes that. I just don't think are needed and, and just kind of slow it all down and stuff. And then there's things like there's, there's like a car chase and things like that, which again, I don't really think were that necessary in it. And it, it feels like they're just using the budget because they've got this big budget. I, you know I mean, like, I, you, like you don't need a big budget to do a fucking murder mystery. Film. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. This is why I don't think this, this film is a really, uh, it's kind of sold as like a murder mystery film, but I feel like it's a bit more than just that. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll get into that now and talk about it. As for what you were saying yeah. before about what his next thing is, the only thing I can see that he's got on IMDb in the pipeline is a sequel to Knives Out. So maybe that's going to happen. How the hell do you do a sequel to a murder mystery um, film? Or is it just going to be well, maybe it'll the be detective like a doing film, another case? It will just be a completely yeah. different story with the same detective. A new Benoit Blank film. Yeah, or something like that. Um, okay. so I imagine, um, yeah, they're making a, a murder mystery universe solving thing. <laughs> the Benoit Blanc <laughs> cinematic universe. They're just, it's all the trolls. It's, it's <laughs> trolls world tour. They're the, they're the murderers. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to get into the writing aspect thing of why I think this is a really cleverly written and well done film. Um, mm -hmm. and I'll, uh, say my say i'll put my reference up front so if anyone wants to see more information about what i'm about to talk about 
uh, go to YouTube and check out the YouTube channel Just Right. They did a really cool video about explaining about the genres and how this switches tone kind of really interestingly. Basically, this film does something that we've never seen before, where it you've seen many films where they go from one tone to another or switch up a genre from one point to another. But what this film does is like the first act of this film is like a straight up uh, character introduction of like a murder mystery where they, you know, they introduce all the characters, they show you, you know, uh, a little bit of background of who everyone is and they kind of show you the the kind of thing, um, what happens and a, a murder has taken place and we kind of get a bit of introduction on everyone that's in here. And it, it all looks like it's going to take place in this house. Mm. And then the second act, uh, just before the second act and like the first uh, uh, plot point in the three act structure, basically Benoit Blanc's character, Michael Craig, he flips a coin and that precise point when he flips that coin is when the movie switches genres for a second. So I want you to hold up for a second and think about uh, we got we got two different types of genres. Both of these genres are types of genres that Lester is not a fan of. But um, <laughs> just run like run with me for a second. So you've got the detective genre, which is your Agatha Christie, your, your Poirot type films. Like there is a detective. He is the protagonist. He is trying to figure out a murder of what is going on. Now, then you've got another subgenre um, of films, which is the crime film, where the uh, criminal is the protagonist. And it's more in rather than figuring out who the murderer is, it's more a case of following the criminal who is the protagonist in the story and watch his struggle between him and the law person who's like kind of chasing them so the, it's like a cat and mouse kind of thing. cat and mouse it? kind of thing catch me if you can is a really good example of this kind of film um so you from that coin flip we see the murder take place and there's such a clever technique from ryan because at that point you stop trying to figuring out who the murderer is. You're really you're intrigued by all of these characters because we, the audience, we see what we think takes place and we think, okay, well, we know what's happened. Um, this person's kind of, you know, uh, killed. Uh, we know who the murderer is. We know what what's what's kind of taking place. So we stop trying to guess and trying to kind of um, be against the movie in that way, trying to figure out where all the plot holes are and where it's trying to trick us. And we just start enjoying the ride for that second part, um, the second kind of act. So that's where it switches up. But then in the third act, it does it's it switches back up again and becomes a murder mystery again. And it, we get the kind of classic detective um, kind of reveal an explanation, which is usually the third act of most murder mystery films, um, where Benoit Blanc's kind of explaining you know, the further twists that happen um, throughout here. And maybe maybe us, the audience, didn't see it all come into place. Maybe we didn't have all the information, which was which was really cool because I've never seen a film switch up genres like that, go from one, uh, one genre to another and then back again. Um, and it, I feel like it's done, I feel like it's done well. I don't feel like it's clunky. I feel like the the humor plays a really good aspect in kind of keeping that kind of grounded. Uh, this the switches up in tone and genre and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that writing aspect because I thought that was a really really cool, interesting thing. I think um, you've 
you've basically pointed out to myself, which I didn't realize by explaining that you've pointed out to me exactly why I didn't like the the last half of that. Yeah. When you were talking about it, I was like, well, that's because those were the bits that were murder mystery genres. (laughs) That was the bit that you didn't like. Um, Because it's like the explanation and the setup and stuff. But the kind of, you know, we, we, when we stop kind of trying to guess the movie and start enjoying the ride, that's when we see kind of the crime aspect of the film, which I think is, it, it's a different kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's, that's where it lost me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as soon as it, as soon as it, it switched genres to focusing on the other character, I, I just didn't care. I just didn't care mm. because we already know. So, okay. So here's the thing. Um, I'm going to tiptoe around this obviously cause spoilers. Um, but so there's, I mean, you, you find out who has killed, um, what's his name? Harlem Thromby. Yeah. Uh, you find out who's done that very early in the film. Um, and then after that, that person is kind of aiding the detective in finding who the killer is and trying to kind of cover their tracks and, um, maybe kind of, you know, veer them off in, into the wrong into the wrong direction and things like that and i found that aspect of it really genuinely interesting because it kind of it kind of touches on some some interesting kind of meaningful points of like this person's done this thing that's um you know uh, it's it's obviously it's illegal and it's a, a an, an immortal sin um it's not it also kind of plays with the morality of it because of the way that he's killed yeah um, which is really interesting. And then it goes to them trying to kind of save themselves, but they're also kind of torn between whether they should or shouldn't do that, or if they should come clean with it, or if they should keep up the the ruse and and keep the detective kind of stringing along. And I also like the chemistry between the killer and the detective in that the detective is kind of left in the dark because of the killer, which is interesting as well, because a lot of the times in these kind of whodunit films, the detective is like this, like omnipotent, you know, genius Mm -hmm. who, you know, you can never pull the wool over their eyes. And in this one, that's not the case. And I I really liked that. Um, And then it's, and I suppose it, it kind of switches after the, after the will reading, I guess is where it kind of goes into a territory that I just don't, I just, it just lost me. I was like, mm, well, you've kind of, you picked up on all these really interesting a- aspects of like the human condition. You can delve into these and really make something really interesting out of it. And then it just kind of moves its focus onto something else and just kind of drops that. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't, now I don't care. Yeah. It's that, it's you know? that switch back to the the third act that where it just kind of, so okay, so what I what I was I'm seeing that as when it switches to a crime thing from how you're describing it, but you're saying that's switching back to being a whodunit. I'm saying it's switching back to being a whodunit because it's the it's the last. Point yeah, I suppose so because yeah, there's it's twist and twist and twist, isn't it's it? Twi- it's like twist after twist type thing. Yeah, but the bit the bit that's the crime story is us knowing who the killer is, following the person that we think is the yeah. killer, trying to yeah. lead, help solve the investigation, but also like not get caught uh because he's that's that's the bit i really enjoyed yeah so that that was my favorite bit of the film yeah which is um which is really interesting to hear to be honest um 
But I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought there was a really, really good aspect to it. I thought that it was it was really stellarly done. The cinematography obviously is is amazing. The production design, mm. I think, really stands out. Um yeah, some of the um the set pieces are really, really spectacular. Yeah, it's it, the production design is just amazing. I mean, when people are being interviewed, they're behind this whole like um like array of circle of, of knives, knives. <laughs> and it's just beautiful yeah. to just look at um so many reflective circuses and stuff to it's just yeah, every inch of the like screen is just full of stuff and just cool yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's like working walking into like a a knickknack shop yeah, or something, something like that it's inside his it's, house it's, it's mad um but yeah I, 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 <laughs> there's not really that much else to say apart from that i had a really really good time and i feel like lester didn't have as yeah. good a time but if he's honest with himself he had a pretty good time <laughs> um yeah i i had a good i had a good 45 yeah, minutes a good 45 minutes which, which i'll take i'll take that <laughs> happily um should we yeah. get should we get into like our scores then for this one because i want to hear what you got to say about dark sea yeah, and and I mean, Dark City is a twenty-two-year-old film, so we can just go into spoilers and everything. Yeah, because it's twenty-two yeah, years yeah. old. So get over yourself. If you're going to get upset that we give spoilers for that, then then go stop this else. podcast now, and you won't listen to our, <laughs> our, um, our ratings. I'm going to give this one. Yeah. I think um, on our score chart, it's going to be a Earl Grey. Thank you, Earl Grey. Ooh, Very cool. Eight point five two numbers that's very numbers high. don't mean anything but um second from second the top, from the top. yeah it's like kind of if i'm honest with myself it's kind of between an earl grey and a chai latte a cheeky treat with mm. a bit of spice uh it's somewhere it's somewhere around an eight but that's why that's the ratings that we have because we have yeah random numbers and cool ratings based on t's yeah um so yeah it's going to be a earl grey for me Fair enough. Yeah. You, well, yeah. I mean, you, you did really enjoy it when we were watching it. I mean, this was the last film that we actually got to watch sat next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> before we, before we had to not and also, do that nostalgia probably reasons of just m- messing human contact and being able to just sit and watch yeah, films. Maybe. maybe I'm, maybe I'm just saying it as like, this was so much fun. I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> uh, Cause we had a bit of a nightmare when we tried to watch, uh, uh, dark city online together but yeah i feel like that's really hindered your evaluation yeah. of it we'll, we'll see we'll see we will see i might be able yeah. to talk you around um so for me with knives out um i'm com- i'm conflicted because the, the thing is i w- in my heart i want to give it a really low score yeah. but i can't i can't deny that um you know it's it's very well directed the set pieces are really good the casting's really good the acting's really good like i can't fault it for any of those aspects so i can't really give it a super low score um it's just the way that the story unfolds and then is kind of crumpled up into a ball tossed across the room and then they write a whole new story for the last part of it it just really frustrated me too Um, many twists yeah, I mean, not even that. Just it just shifts its focus mm-hmm. completely, and it it just really annoyed me that it did that because you spend all this time investing in this one character, or well, the two characters actually, because you're on, you're on the detective side as well. Um, 
and then it just kind of forgets about that and does and just goes off on a tangent and it just yeah just really got under my skin um but it's a very well-made film so i I can't really give it i think i'm gonna have to give it a green tea because i can't give it any lower than that because um it it is really well made it looks fantastic it's really well acted by everyone daniel craig's accent's a little bit iffy but whatever um you know he's doing a like a southern gentleman thing i think the problem i have with his accent is i remember saying to you guys he's how old is daniel craig let's say he's like what is he like yeah, 50? He's in his 50s he's about 50 um he's doing this kind of southern gentleman accent but he's doing it as if he's a 75 year old mm-hmm. man and it just it, it just isn't right There's coming such out of a his, face. In his voice. it doesn't make sense but like i was able <laughs> yeah. to like I was able to like, I loved it and hated it at the same time. And yeah, I was yeah, able yeah, yeah. to kind of, of let the movie kind of do that and then be like, that's really weird. But it wasn't like Robert Pattinson's mm. accent in the King where it just completely took me out. No, yeah. It's like, nowhere near that bad. That's definitely what we're going to be comparing all bad accents to. Because like there's a, <laughs> there's a point with the accent where if it's just too much, it just straight up takes you out of the film and you just have to rewind oh, it yeah. and just laugh at that for like, at least five to 10 minutes, which is what we did. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah. I wasn't, we were able to like get, still get sucked into the story and listen to what this person was saying. So I felt like it wasn't all bad because I, I, I got accustomed. I got acclimated to the Southern drawl. Um, I feel as the film went on. Yeah. I suppose after a while you do just kind of get used to it and it's, it's not a bad accent. It's just, he's, he's doing an accent of someone 20 years older than and him. And it's just nothing, something that we're just it's not just used weird. to seeing Daniel Craig's voice, like make that sound. I did. I, I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's when it's, it's a bit of a shock, but then I get used to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah. So, I mean, for me, yeah. yeah. Green tea, uh, which is a middling score. Um, and that's because it's a very well-made film, but it's a really frustrating plot. So it gets it gets right in the middle. Five five point six eight, a good score, sir. Yeah, good sanity. You can drink it anytime. I, yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I think that's fair from the experience from I had. The experience with it. you had. Yeah, it's just like just like we said. It's that whole thing of it's if it kind of reveal over reveal was not something that you were a fan of, um, and that's. Yeah, that felt unnecessary. You have enough material to make a really compelling story with what you've set up in the first half of the film. You don't need to keep doing twists. Mm-hmm. And have you do you, are you do you watch Bob's Burgers? Uh, I got really into it like a few years back when I was at uni, but then I uh, stopped. So I've seen I've seen a well, good I'm, few episodes. So you've seen the first yeah. season then. You know that episode where Linda does like a hamburger dinner theater? I think so, yeah. And she and she does like a murder mystery and she, she and it's just like at the end she's like who do you think the murderer was and everyone's like this person and she's like well you're wrong the murderer was me Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how it felt like to me and and like everyone in the restaurant's like what but but you set up the butler to be the murderer for sure. She's like, well, that's a twist. And they're like, that's not a twist. That just sucks. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. But it's it's also, you know, it's a staple of these kind of mystery films of just kind of pulling the rug out from under you. Um, and I think that's just, yeah. that's just what it does. Uh, but all in all, I think we can both agree. It's a, it's, it's worth a watch. 
it's worth definitely a watch and a couple from me. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not telling anyone to not watch it. It's definitely a, a good film. It's just really not my yeah, cup of tea. Which is which is fair enough. Um all right, next one. Let's jump in. Dark City, dude. Oh man. Okay, well, Dark City is right, first of all, I'm gonna I'm just gonna premise that uh as as I was unbiased in the last one, I'm most definitely biased with this yeah. one. Okay. Um it's directed by Alex Prius, who um has done some of my favorite films one of them being this the other one being the crow with brandon lee yeah yeah um but he's a strange director because he he either does like really good cult classic films or box office flops Mm -hmm. and it's just it just really depends like his latest film was gods of egypt yeah exactly um but he he can do I think he just has a problem when he's given a big budget. Yeah. You know, when when he gets he's he's really he's a very smart guy. He's really into his uh philosophical sci-fi and the ideas that comes from that and and he he talks a lot about how uh l- like sci-fi literature is much more important than sci-fi movies for him because that's where all the ideas come from. And he tries to translate that through his sci-fi movies. Um, he's a very interesting guy. But anyway, so I, I I really like his cult classic films. Obviously, he's, his box office flops are not great. I have, Admittedly, I haven't seen Gods of Egypt, and I am tempted to watch it just because I've got some time on my hands. I know it's not going to be good, but I also know that he's really into philosophy, and I think he might do something interesting with the characters of the Egyptian gods, which have a very philosophical um, story arc anyway. So I might give it a watch and I might not hate it, but it's well, not. You're very, inter- you're very into your mythology as well, which I think. Yeah. And so is he. And I think that's why we get on so well, even though yeah. we've never met. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dark City is, I'll read the storyline out and then I'll kind of explain what it is. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Because it's a bit of an odd film. So, John Murdoch awakens alone in a strange hotel to find that he has lost his memory and is wanted for a series of brutal and bizarre murders. While trying to piece together his past, he stumbles upon a fiendish underworld controlled by a group of beings known as the Strangers, who possess the ability to put people to sleep and alter the city and its inhabitants. Now Murdoch must find a way to stop them before they take control of his mind and destroy him. Yeah. So, the, I think the easiest way to explain this, to just give someone a um, a quick idea of it, is it's kind of, it's a blend between Blade Runner and The Matrix. That's what, that's what I said um, after watching it. I was like, there was a lot of yeah. Blade Runner ideas. There's the, there's, mm-hmm. It's got that noir yeah, feel to it. And there's that Matrix but, kind of vibe, but with Alien. And the main, and the thing is as well, is, um, yeah, it's a sci-fi about aliens that have taken over this city. But this film is not really about aliens. It's more, it's more of like a Kafka-esque kind of dystopian nightmare. And literally everything in this, you know, you know what I was saying about TV shows before when I was like, I like everything distilled and everything Mm -hmm. to have meaning in it. This is the perfect example of that, except for uh, like a climactic scene at the end that has just been thrown in because it needed a Hollywood kind of film. That whole so there's, there's like a fight scene a at the end, which sucks for me. Yeah, 
Mm, the the ending's good. Just that fight scene is really unnecessary and yeah, silly. Yeah, fair enough. The ending is good in your opinion, but not not. Well, I yeah, I can tell I can tell you why it's a good ending <laughs> later. But um, I can tell you why but, you're wrong. Yeah, no, but but no, no, not 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 why you're wrong. I, I can tell you why it's objectionally objectionally like a decent yeah. ending. Whether you like it or not is different. But it 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 makes sense, you know. I enjoyed the ideas behind it. I thought there's a lot of stuff to play around with there. There's a lot of things like just our place in the world, loneliness, things that come up in a lot of sci-fi movies, but it's done very well mm-hmm. here. Um, and yeah. it's played around with this whole idea of the city and um, these inhabitants in it just kind of perpetually in darkness, always night. Yeah. And the, the mystery aspect of it, there is a bit of a mystery link between both of these films, I guess. Um, yeah, and I the so. aspect of the start, we wake up and we uh, see uh, John, the main character, kind of waking up at the scene mm-hmm. of a murder, not really knowing what's happening, uh, and he's got amnesia. And we're trying to piece the uh, piece the puzzle pieces together, um, put the pieces together is what I was trying to say. Um, mm-hmm. And as he is with him, and I find that really really interesting. That's really that's a really cool. Uh, way that it's done and but there's certain certain aspects certain moments where it just goes a bit it's it's like it doesn't know exactly what it wants to be it's like there's different um amazing ideas here and the potential of it is incredible and for the most part it's a great film but then there are moments where it just goes into like slightly cheesy or like yeah well it's 1998 so there is some cheesiness you to say it for that, sure but that's two years that's a year out of when the matrix was made it's a year before the yeah, matrix exactly and if and what if you go back and watch the matrix now it's cheesy i disagree man i've seen it fairly recently mm, i watched i really I, think I, it is i think that the i think the good bits in the matrix definitely still hold up and i i feel like that film really it's it's an like it's done really well but like it's not the it's not just the the age of it basically is what i'm saying i think there's just moments that are just a bit tonally inconsistent um in this in the script writing and stuff which is a shame because the concept and the ideas behind it are fascinating but um i just feel like there if there was just another pass another just another pass of the script, just another bit where someone's really said, do we really need to say that there? Or does this really need to happen? It, it would be, it would be awesome. It would be a, an amazing, it would be like one of my favorite films, but. So it's interesting that you say that because, um, after it was made, uh, the, the studio insisted that Alex Price added in some narration to explain it further. Hmm. And that's the cut that we watched. There is a director's cut, which is, I think it's about 15 to 16 minutes longer. And it has more dialogue between characters and no narration at the start or or any of that kind of stuff. So it, it lets it breathe a lot longer and you can kind of figure things out more for yourself. And it it, it kind of does a better job. It's, it's similar to how Blade Runner has like three yeah, different cuts. Definitely. You know, it's that kind of thing where like the cinematic cut is just, it kind of waters it down so that it'll do better in the cinema, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, maybe 
if you'd ever be up for watching it again, we could watch the director's cut. Um, but it's interesting you say there's some inconsistencies. I'd like to hear what they are, but I feel like maybe we should outline the story a bit more before we delve into that because it's there's a lot going on yeah. with this film. Um, so like you said, he, he wakes up at the scene of this crime and he has no memory. Um, he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know his name, nothing. Uh, you later find out that, I mean, not that much later, um, but you find out that um, this these beings that are referred to only as the strangers um, are, they have the power to bend the reality of the city to their will. And every night at midnight, they kind of, you know, if they so choose, they, I suppose, transplant memories, but they're all synthesized memories, but they're transplanting them from citizen to citizen. And then people wake up with a whole new, um, a whole new life, a whole new job and everything. And they act like it was, it was their life the whole time. Um, this film's very much more about the identity and, and what creates an identity more than anything else. Um, and you, you find out basically that the strangers are doing this as an experiment because their race is dying and they're trying to find out the, um, they, they basically, they think that they can live forever by finding out what makes an individual through a human because they're all like a hive mind. Um, and they think they they kind of think, well, if we can crack the code of being an individual, then we'll live forever. And that's really interesting. And I'll tell you why that's interesting a bit later. Um, but that's basically what what they're trying to do. And then it ends up that um, John Murdoch, he uh, kind of gets powers like like he's the one, like he's like the Neo of the city. Um, and it ends in a big climactic silly fight. And then it has a good ending afterwards where he can reshape the city to be whatever he wants it to be. And you you also find out that it's a big, it's a walled city floating through space. It's not on Earth. It's just a whole big experiment chamber that these aliens have created. And I guess that's kind of the main plot of the film, although it's not the themes. But we can get into that in a second because I'd like to hear what the inconsistencies were it's for you. It's small things that just kind of stuck out to me, mm. to be honest. Um, f- like, I want to shout out to some of the characters first before we do this. So we've got three main uh, performances here, which I thought were amazing, which I thought were done really well. Keith Sutherland is the Doctor. Is mm. uh, yeah. Doctor Daniel Schreiber? Uh, he's great. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed his performance. I thought he was good. Uh, Jennifer Connelly Connelly is Emma Murdoch, um, and uh, Rufus Sewell as John Murdoch, and uh, he's mm-hmm. kind of like the main kind of character that we follow throughout this whole thing. Both all do a yeah. really really great performance. I was kind of surprised I'd never seen Rufus Sewell on anything. Uh, like before this and he's got a bit of a yeah. face that's kind of like oh like that's a really interesting distinctive, distinctive. thing like, and he does a really interesting yeah. performance with it it's tough playing someone that's has amnesia on screen it, sometimes mm. in films especially around this sort of time it can feel like they're just constantly freaking out um, and it can feel a bit much like it's got, it's got the potential to go into cage territory. And 
And, um, yeah. and I feel yeah, like the, that would be a whole, be a whole different, different film. film. And I, I, I feel like this <laughs> didn't step so far into that. He was able to kind of keep it grounded and uh, still kind of work with that. Um, and it, it, he yeah. did do well, but look like there's <clears throat> the problems that I have and they were mainly, um, they were mainly kind of dialogue problems, things that people said um, and experienced mm. where just kind of like things that I felt didn't either didn't need to, it didn't need to be explained or comments that didn't really need to happen uh, between characters or like small visual things. I'll, I'll make one example. Um, one yeah. example. There's a couple. I'll get, make you two examples. What two examples? Well, make make one because the the things that you assumed didn't really need to be said, we can probably put that under the cut being changed before it gets a cinematic release, because that's definitely a problem with this film where they've added narration. Uh, so one that isn't that is probably um, it's it's not really narration; it's more dialogue between characters. But um, the one my my example that's not that is um, the first time mm. we see the detective who is hunting down the killer who they think is John. Um, there's this yeah. really weird transition between him sort of playing an accordion and um, we kind of like zoom in on him and it's kind of all him playing the accordion. And then he's suddenly uh, at the, um, at the kind of scene of the crime kind of looking through him. And it's, it's very jarring to kind of go from that cut from that shot to, him at the crime scene um the accordion makes a big um kind of appearance later on as well and i feel like it is explained it is part of uh like i know why it's there and i know what the relevance is but Mm. i feel like it's just a bit hollow um that's 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 my own that's my own feeling about about that whole thing uh so what what about it do you think is hollow so it's kind of like an example of we see that it's uh, relevant to his kind of like memories of his past, right? This is all this stuff has been implanted. Mm, it's more to do with his individuality than his memories. So he we re- he talks about he remembers giving it to his uh, his his great aunt given give uh, or his grandma given grandmother giving it to him before she died, and then yeah. it's like a really vivid memory about that. But then we kind of figure out he doesn't remember what, what it was or uh, when that happened. And it's that sort of thing that just kind of, um, it just feels like, okay, there are moments in this film where I can't tell if it's because the film is uh, purposefully not trying to tell me something or if it's just like, lazy writing and someone sat in a room just basically saying, Oh, I don't need to explain that. Like there's a, there's a, there's a lot of that. Um, there's another, there's another scene, uh, that I'll bring up as for all of these kind of fit in with what I'm, what I'm trying to say and my personal feelings of why it, it felt like moments of this film just kind of let me down a little bit. Um, Mm. so, uh, there's another scene, where an alien goes to visit Dr. Schraber uh, to talk, to kind of uh, collude, uh, to kind of, no, uh, to kind of consort with him and kind of like get him to, um, get him to work with the aliens better, I guess. 
Dr. Schreiber spends a lot of time in this swimming pool area. Um, and it's where he's yeah. the only place. Because they have an aversion to water. Well, so they don't, yeah, that's the thing. That's the there. thing that we're told. We're told they have an aversion to water. And, you know, Dr. Schreiber's, uh, it's the one place where he gets a bit of peace. But if the aliens are so scared of water, why would this one alien go and kind of skirt around the pool so much and be threatening to Dr. Schreiber with no kind of no uh kind of shown that they're it that he that he's in a position where he's scared or uh is like worried about being around water. Like they tell us that, that water is their weakness and they're scared of it. But then there's this weird scene where mm-hmm. this guy this alien's confronting him and like having a go at this doctor and Near the pool, near and the pool. No, nothing's mentioned about it. Like it, it's like no, they just skirt over it, which is what I think was a bit. Uh, also, I felt like was a bit tonally and like inconsistent. Um, so, first of all, by the way, I'm um, not saying you have to defend all of these points. By the way, I'm no, 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 and I, and I won't. But these are both important to what the film is actually about, um, because the film is about three different theories of of identity, um, which are all philosophies from, from different places. And basically, so if, um, so the matrix was very much based off of Nietzsche's, um, simulacra and simulacrum. And this is, this film is more of like a, a Franz Kafka take on it where it's still existentialism, but the difference between Kafka and all the other existentialists is Kafka still believes in a spiritual realm. So there's still I mean, and it's kind of inaccessible, but there's still kind of some kind of spiritual realm going on, particularly in Underworld. And in in his novels, that usually comes forth as an oppressive governing system, which is what these aliens are. Now, the the theories of identity um, is basically to put to put them bluntly and, and nice and quick. Uh, the first one is that we are we are individuals because of the sum of our memories and and past experiences and choices. The other one is we're the sum of our mem uh, we're the we are an individual because we are in that body and the body governs the individual. And the third one is that um, the individual doesn't exist at all. And this film hits all of those at the same time, which means it can seem inconsistent. Um, now the thing with the accordion, he's playing, so he's, he's kind of fiddling about with the accordion at the start. He remembers his aunt gave it to him. And then later on in the film, um, if I remember correctly, his memory has been switched around yet. He still kind of fiddles about with the accordion. Um, even though it doesn't kind of, um, he doesn't have the memory of his aunt giving it to him anymore. So that's the example of the individual living in the body. Um, the and the example of of it, the individual living in the memories is is all over the film. That's fairly easy to see. And the example of the individual not existing at all is within the strangers who have a hive mind. And what's interesting about that is, um, like like most of kind of Kafka's work as well, is the the totalitarian systems their downfall, even though they're completely tyrannical and oppressive their downfall is always incompetence and not being able to kind of 
like no one can beat them but themselves because they're kind of they, they're just a bit incompetent and negligent and that kind of comes through with the strangers as well because they're a hive mind yet um and they're and they're striving to find out the root of indiv- individuality yet within this hive mind you have a hierarchy um you have what's he called mr book is like the leader um mr, mr. quick book? is the one that so. emulates mr. mr quick's the, the leader emulates john that gets his memories no 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 that's um that one we'll get to the 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 the, the, the like oldest one i can't remember his name it's not mr it might be mm, i think it is mr book the one that the one that emulates john's memories is yeah, mr. Oldest Hand. one is mr book and there's yeah and then there's the other one who I've, i can't remember the name who's in the body of a child right yeah yeah you remember that one who's like kind of sadistic right so what's interesting about that is they're all striving to find the secret to individuality and yet they already have individual traits. Um, which is kind of a, a showing of their negligence. Um, but because they have a hive mind, they're not, they're all kind of experiencing the same things and, and they kind of think that, well, if we're a sum of our memories, then we can't be individuals. Um, and it's just interesting. And that's why, although they will have an aversion to, to water, Mr. Hand can just come around, go to the pool. Cause he's, his, he's still, he's still his own thing. Um, it's important to note as well that these strangers are like, they're, they're basically like brain slugs and they've taken over, uh, yeah, like, like corpses. squid. And that's, thing. that's why, yeah. Like a squiddy thing. Um, that's why one of them's in a child's body, which is yeah. really morbid. Um, um, yes. Yeah, so what was the other, I mean, well, what, what do you think about that? I, suppose? I, I, I can appreciate it. I think the, like I said, I think I, I understand the concepts and I think the concepts are done really well. I think that's really cool. Um, I think that there's ways of introducing those ideas through conversations and philosophical discussions, as well as visually, uh, as this film does, which, uh, which are really interesting. Like the whole idea of the city being perpetually in darkness, the memory is not really interfering. Mm-hmm. Like they're being implanted and this guy figure out what is real and what like they have, there's a the whole thing behind shell beach and they want to go to shell beach because it's the one place that everyone kind of remembers, but no one knows how to get to cause it's not real. Yeah. Um, so th- I feel like that's, yeah. that's really cool. That's really interesting. I feel like if that's what the film wants to be, then that's totally fine. Stick with that, but don't have this kind of Neo one type person where he, you end up having like a really cheesy fight scene between him and the, the, the main bad guy. Um, yeah. And I'm not defending that because that's definitely a decision on the studio after the film's I, been I don't, planned I, I can't comment on what was sure. studio and what wasn't, but I, 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 I still think like there's, there's just an inconsistency there. It feels like the film's trying to be two different things. Um, and it's, it just didn't sit right with me. Like that whole battle felt like that was that was silly and there's just the mind powers the like kind of the psychic kind of mind power things there are ways to introduce that which yeah. aren't as cheesy as what they're doing which is what a shame like the whole rings coming out of the the forehead uh in this kind of like cgi yeah, type yeah. thing like to open a <laughs> It's extremely dated. And I feel like the, the reason <laughs> the reason that I'm judging it harshly is because we're a year away from the Matrix. And th- that was able to show 
case this kind of idea of a whole world inside a, a, a machine system so well and execute it in such a way that you, you know you never look at that and feel like that's cheesy like the, the whole kind of dialing in through the phone type thing um you, you okay so you don't no, think, I that's think that was that was that, that was the first well okay f- that's straight was the first time that. anything like that had been done um uh, well, no, because this came out a year before. <laughs> so well, they it's not the first time it's been done. Telephone. Do you know what I mean? What are you? What are you no, saying? No, but, is, is, okay, is like so super the thing cheesy about it. I'm well. I'm saying they're both as cheesy as each other. I'm not denying that this isn't cheesy in some parts, but they're both as cheesy as each other. Like the scene in the Matrix where Neo puts his hand out and stops the bullets. That's basically the same as when um, John Murdoch does his silly mind rings and stops the knife coming at him. But one has a better budget and it's like, and you can see it. And I feel like it's when it's executed to a point where like the, it's clearly, it's clearly made and executed well. I feel like if that's your end product, right. And you've got like this, like this Mm. CGI thing and you come back after spending however, however God knows how many millions of pounds on this CGI fight and you're looking at the final cut of the edit, just take the fight out. Like just take the fight out at that point. Like we don't need to see that because. Well, I, I don't think the fight would have been in there at all. If the studios didn't have anything that's what to do I mean. with it. Like, I can't comment on that. I don't know if that's, that's I don't know thing. if that's their intention yeah. or not. I feel like there are other hints to, to the CGI being a prominent factor of us seeing his power that, that, that kind of argue against that point. But um, so mm-hmm. I, I I don't know basically without kind of diving into interviews with him talking about what he did and didn't want in the final cut, um, I wouldn't know. But I I just feel like at that point it doesn't it just feels too it felt too Superman towards the end. It started off as Blade Runner. It went into like this cool little mystery trying to figure out what was going on, and I really enjoyed that. Blade Runner is one of my favorite films, so I absolutely loved that yeah. whole bit. Um, the matrix elements I thought were okay. I thought that was fine. Um, the kind of this world isn't real and that's, that that's all good. The powers I already spoke about, but, um, the bit that got me was just probably the last five to 10 minutes where it's just divulves into like, uh, yeah. Superman versus Zod fight. Tries to, tries do, to a do a blockbuster thing. And I'm bit, just like, it? no, is- that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, it's definitely definitely unnecessary. Then, definitely unnecessary. But um, you, I mean, you, but you've got to understand. Like, obviously, they had to do that. Otherwise, no one's going to watch this film, right? If it's just a film about philosophy and it's people talking about what's real and what isn't, like, no one would have watched The Matrix if it didn't have any of the action scenes in it. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Well, come on, maybe they wouldn't, wouldn't have. have. Maybe one. I think we can make that assumption. It's bigger budget, but I mean, it's it's it's, it's why. That's why yeah. there's an, a, another film that I really want to watch with you and I really want us to talk about is Primer because I've, I've never seen that before and I think that that's a really interesting way of someone who's actually really into these kind of ideas just shankily just mm. making a film saying I'm going to make it my way. I'm going to do my little thing and I'm going to introduce all of these kind of quantum theory physics into all of this stuff. Um and yeah, like people had the same reaction to that. It was like, no one would make this film because like, it's not got those, uh, 
it's not got any action scenes or anything. It's just about scientists trying to build a time machine. But, um, mm. but yeah, so I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. You're on the fence. Well, so what, what do you think about the whole, um, because like, let's just forget about the action scene, man. Cause it's like five minutes of the film and it's not what the film's about at all. So let's, let's agree that that bit's silly. And let's get more into. I, I can't. What the film's actually I can't about and ignore that because that? the placing of the writing at that point is the climax of the story. It is the point where the protagonist realizes his true potential and faces the antagonist for that story. So it is quite an important thing, uh, and it's not something I can just ignore without kind of taking the film as a whole. Uh, I like the ideas, like I said, and I like the concept. I can agree with you with that. I think all of that's great. But to just kind of say, well, that bit we both agree that is not good, but let's ignore that and just look at the good bits. I can't do that. I've got to look at the film as a whole. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying about the actual themes that are within the film, because that is the yeah. interesting part of the film. I'm not talking about, let's talk about other scenes that are good. I'm saying the themes and the message that this film is trying to convey to people because a lot of people watch this and kind of, you know, maybe don't get it on the first on the first viewing because there's a, a lot going on underneath in all these different themes and thoughts about um, where your identity comes from, whether the identity even exists in the first place. Um, is it you? Is it your actions? You know, are you completely interchangeable with someone else? Like there's the scene with, um, well, it's not seen. There's, there's, bits where the landlord of his building he sees him at one point and then later on in the film he gets switched with someone else and he sees his landlord at a newspaper stand he's like oh i've been here you know 20 years i've been doing this for 20 years and the person who's now the landlord in the building acts exactly the same as the landlord and it's like well are our bodies interchangeable if the memories are intact um you know is that you know what what part of that is a person and what part of that is an individual um the same thing with um john murdoch being he's been accused of these murders um and basically the reason that he doesn't remember anything is because he wakes up before they can change his memory to be the serial killer in their experiment um but it's also like a good kind of metaphor of <sighs> he's been accused of these murders that happened like last night or whatever. And he, he says something along the lines of, you know, whoever did that last night, I'm not the same person that they are. And it's, it's also the kind of thing of like, you know, are people, you know, no one's the same person. Like I'm, if you look at yourself, you look at a picture of yourself as a child, you look at them and like, that's not the mm. same person you are now either. You know, even though it's you, that's not who you are. And that person's like, a million miles away from you right now so like he's legally guilty in that but morally and ethically like yeah, is the exactly. guilt actually if there you don't remember um doing the crime if you didn't have control of yourself when that was happening it's you know there's, there's something to be said well not even about control it's about just not being that person anymore like it's more about kind of redemption i yeah, suppose exactly but also those those things were made for him to think that like he didn't commit those crimes. Yeah. 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 I mean, he didn't do them anyway. Yeah. 
um, which, yeah, whether whether or not he murdered the, the people is kind of irrelevant. The thought but of it's going like, through you know, that. Yeah, did, I, then, I love all that stuff, man. I think that's really, really yeah. interesting. And and um, with the murders as well, when they're, on all, on all the women, there's like these spirals that have been mm. carved into them. And you see that theme come up a lot in throughout the film, which I really like because the film's about identity and this spirals are carved into the women. At the start, you see... Um, the the doctor or the professor um, doing like a rat maze thing in like a spiral kind of maze. At the end of the film, it, well, near the end of the film, it pans out and you see that the the city is just a big circular city floating through space, which is like the rat maze. And there's a point where the detective is kind of going over his paperwork, looking at these spirals. The, the um, no, he's no, he's looking at yeah. finger, he's looking at fingerprints of John Murdoch, and then he notices a spiral in his coffee and notices the similarities between that and a fingerprint, and it kind of puts into question identity and you know mm. personal individualism, which I think is just just fascinating. Really, so let me really ask you a question. Then. Um, they've all clearly gone through mm. a lot of effort to talk about all of this identity and all of these ideas behind the self. Um, and it's done really, really well. Do you do you feel they should have explained how they got onto the ship, or what what happened? No, no, yeah, because that was kind of one of your complaints when we finished the film. You're like, well, I want to yeah. know what you know how they got there. How did they take these people and stuff? And that's really not the film. You, you know, it's um, it's difficult because I can. I can see people watching this and, and saying that and going, well, you know, that's, but that's not what the film wants to make you question. That's kind of irrelevant to the, to what the film's trying to, trying to put forward. I understand that. But the, just a, a little Easter egg of something as a possibility, a way, the what kind of way that Kubrick would have done would have been interesting that rather than, Oh, like we don't know. Like no one knows. Like outwardly having a character telling you, oh, no one knows. It's it's like the film's telling you, oh, that's not important. Like, but when um when we were talking about this after we watched the film, because um the whole the whole like visual metaphor is that the humans are mm-hmm. a rat in a maze, and I and I said to you like, well, you know, would you need to see the origin story of how I picked out some rats for my experiment? Yeah, no, and I I I get you when you're talking about that but the the film is not of the point of view of the aliens so we are very much with all of these characters trying to figure it out from their perspective and if it was more of a kind of told from the perspective of the aliens kind of seeing these kind of experiments and just watching them unfold then i'd be then i'd be totally with you with that not being not being necessary um but i guess for my personal taste or whatever i think that i just i felt like i i both i both had a lot of stuff to chew on and needed a bit more and it's a really weird feeling to put into words but i feel like yeah i had a lot to chew on one with with philosophical ideas but from a writing perspective, I felt like I could do with a little bit more. Mm. Well, I, I, I don't even see. I don't even think this film is from the perspective of the protagonist either. I think it's from the perspective from the perspective of the mm. the city as a whole. 
of the of the experiment. It's that's how I that's where I'm seeing the perspective come from. It's about the experiment and the search for um, the cause of individuality, um, which these strangers believe will unlock immortality. It's an interesting thought. I would say it's from the perspective of the doctor. Yeah, we'll see. And and then most people who you talk to would say it's from the perspective yeah. of John Murdoch. Or the well, detective. The, the doctor kind of is the, the one strangers. introducing us, the audience, to the story and the one that kind of bookends both both bits. Um, and kind of we're following him as he follows uh, the kind of events unfold and then we the torch gets passed off to john murdoch and we we see we see how that whole thing goes but i do think that it's kind of mm. the story's perspective is kind of kind of told from the doctor's doctor's kind of viewpoint i guess well that that's interesting um and that's surely not how everyone would see it so whose perspective it's coming from is, is, also, is just as blurry as where the individuality comes from that they're trying to put across in that. Do you know what's, um, what I, what I'd like to watch is, uh, Roger Ebert did a, a whole, um, voiceover analysis kind of thing for this film. And he was the one that championed it to get the director's cut released as well. It was one really? of his favorite That's films. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of his favorite films. He held like, he held screening parties for it and did everything he could to get more people to see it because he loved it so much. Um, so I would like to get my hands on one of those copies of him talking about it while the film's playing, because I think, I think that'd be so really too. interesting to listen to. Um, and with, um, just before we, cause I assume we're going to kind of start wrapping up, but the real meat of it that I wanted to get to, and this is, so we've talked about identity and stuff, and that's definitely a part of the film. But for me, the main theme of this film is what the strangers are searching for. And that is the secret to immortality, which is from the individual or the soul or whatever you want to call it that humans have. Um, so people are saying it's because they want to be individuals, but I've, I've talked to you already about that they're kind of an incompetent version of an alien Gestapo and they already have individual traits. The way I, I've been thinking a lot about this and the, the way that I, that I see it is they, they think when they're talking about immortality, they're not talking about living forever in the physical world. They're talking about, they, they believe that um, in the individuality is from the sum of everyone's memories and actions of their life. And those actions live on through their legacy. And that is what I think they're talking about when they're talking about immortality. I think they're talking about leaving a legacy is they're all a hive mind. And one of them, like even one of them dies in the film and they just kind of announce that he's dead and, and move on because they're all the same. They don't need to, they don't need to be remembered because they, they will fill the same job. You know, it's, it doesn't matter. Um, so that I really think that they're talking about staying alive through their legacy to do with the memory. And also the, the big clock that's in the center of their machine. That's like this grand clock. It's covered by a big sculpture of a human head, which is 
you know, it's a metaphor for, you know, memories being inside the mind. And, you know, you could maybe try and argue that away, but why would these aliens make a sculpture of a human head? They're aliens. It's not, that's not their head. That's not what they look like. So there's a, yeah. there's a reason. And it's there. also like a, a and, um, metaphor for like just time always moving and always going and forgetting, um, yeah, yeah, not being able to yeah, like definitely. make a difference, which adds to the legacy thing. I did pick up on that, and I did think that that was a really interesting idea of their kind of choice for. So what what I find what I um found even more interesting that I think you'll really like is um so after coming to this conclusion, I just thought like you know for the podcast like I'll I'll check out some interviews with Alex Proyas and um. He was doing an interview for uh, a for a film that never came to fruition at the time, but it, it was promoting this film that he was writing. And the interviewer asked him about how do you feel about um, Hollywood wanting to remake The Crow? And um, Brandon Lee famously died on yeah. on the set of The Crow while they were making it. And Alex Proyas's reply to that was I'd really rather they didn't because the only reason I finished The Crow was for Brandon Lee's legacy and that's the film he made just before this one so I think that really plays into it and I think that's what he's trying to get at when he's talking about immortality I think he's talking about keeping the memory of people alive I think so I think think you're right about that Uh, I totally agree and I think there's the idea of uh, these aliens kind of wanting to find their individuality or wanting to find what makes humans so special. It is that idea of like people call it the soul or whatever, the individual and their immortality through mm. their legacy and what they leave behind. Um, and I think, I think that's, I, I totally agree with you at that point. And I think that that's a really interesting point in terms of the time that this came out and what that, what that yeah, plays in yeah. with kind of the author's, uh, thoughts and feelings about this whole idea anyway it's an interesting interesting point and it's got got some pluses on my end for that for that alone I think um, you know when when this whole thing's over and we can get a pizza together we should hunt down the director's cut yeah, and just chat this whole thing's watch over. it and you might get more out of it on the second time round now that you know there's going to be a horrible not having to wait fight for my <laughs> Zoom or the, like Amazon Prime to just buffer. Mm. Yeah, that definitely didn't help because we had to keep cutting in and out yeah. because the video feed was just, wasn't working. Just a bit and, of a nightmare ugh. with that whole thing, but we'll work it out. We'll work it that out. Took you out of it a bit, I imagine. Um, yeah, any final we'll thoughts? Any final takes before we wrap up? I mean. Um, I, yeah, I've I've given I've given really my my main thoughts about this. I I can talk about this film forever because it's 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 a metaphor and a metaphor. And, and, metaphor it, and it feels on and on it ticks your third box um, of being a tight one hour and forty minutes. So there's sure there's does. pluses on the Leicester side for that. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to watch this and two and a half I, hour film that's going to be a lecture, it's not. It's an hour and forty minutes. You got that time. Yeah, yeah, and like. When you think about, um, given how much, I mean, I'm a massive nerd for this kind of film anyway, but, you know, taking into account how much I've just fucking babbled on about theories and philosophies and stuff and everything that's in this film, and it's in an hour and 40 minutes, and we were talking earlier about why I don't want to watch a TV (laughs) show, this is why. 
this is a this kind of film is exactly why I have no time for TV shows because yeah, films like this exist. That's fair, man. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, right. Well, that's been an interesting discussion. It got heated, but uh, I feel like that was that was fine. We both. It was amicable. I don't think yeah. it got heated. There was there think. was differing points and we we discussed them very well. Yeah. <laughs> Bat on the back. Pat on us. the back for us. Um <laughs> I yeah, I think I'm gonna go for a rating on this. I'm very interested to see what yeah. what you will give it and uh and how you feel. I'm gonna go with it is it's not a green tea for me because I can't watch this film anytime. It will be like a, oh, I'd have to be in a certain mm. mood to kind of watch this film. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of, it's a weird, it's a weird one for me because it is uh, the mm. great parts of it are definitely without a doubt a chai latte. Like the good parts of it are hundred yeah. percent a cheeky treat with a bit of spice. That's great. It's, it, it's, it's all there. But the bits that kind of get to me in the film that let me down a little bit are definitely a white tea, which like I never tried. So yeah, it's somewhere in between parts. there that is not, you can drink it anytime. It's not a 5.68. So audience, if you keep track, chai latte, cheeky treat with a bit of spice, 7.1 7. and white tea. Never, <laughs> never tried it, but I hear it's nice. 4.26. It's not a four star film. Um, it's, it's really good. So it's going to go, it's going to, it's somewhere in between that, but for the sake of it, let's say I gave it a chai latte. Oh, good stuff. Good. Well, that, um, I'm glad, I'm glad you gave it a higher rate than I thought you would. I th- well, That's I've, nice. That's good to know. Even with our crappy viewing experience, which was probably, like I'm, I'm giving it the benefit end. of the doubt um, and hoping that another rating, another viewing yeah. will, uh, solidify it in there but as i said i think a viewing of the director's I, cut will, I, I will do, do good. i do definitely want to state that this is a split uh this is a split rating of between chai latte and mm. white tea yeah, yeah because green tea doesn't fit in this situation so the good bits are chai latte yeah, the bad bits are a white tea yeah yeah 100%. it's like the stock market at the moment 100 <laughs> Um, well, for me, I mean, obviously I think it's pretty obvious. I'm going to rate it fairly high. Um, it's, it's, you know, exactly my kind of it's film. It's a very you film. I'll, um, I'll, I'll give you that. It's extremely, it's extremely <laughs> less to this film. Um, I'm, I feel like we should do, we should do like a list of 10 films each of like, what are the, like, the epitome of like yeah. Lester films and Tarek films. You'll hate fun. all of my choices so much. You're just going to look <laughs> at it and just cringe and just be like, Oh, why? <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be yeah. fun to do. We should, we should do that. And then, um, yeah, then, I mean, and then we can kind of watch them against yeah. each other or something. I think that would be fun. Um, so for me, I mean, you know, I would, I would give it, Top marks if it weren't for the silly CGI fight scenes, which do let it down. Um, you're definitely right about that. It really does let it down. Um, but everything in it, the themes that it touches on, the questions it wants the audience to ask from it, 
the fact that it provides no solid answers I like because these philosophies are open to the individual about the individual and the only person that can answer it is you for yourself so I, I do like that it has a kind of ambiguous sort of end um so yeah I mean it's only let down by by main pretty much just that mm. fight scene where it gets all CGI X-Men stuff so for me it's one below top score so it's gonna be an L Grey 8.52 I thought that's where I thought that was going and uh I uh, yeah appreciate yeah. your candor and your your honesty with that uh I'm interested to see what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about next there's a lot of lot to lot to lot to see lot 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 to talk about yeah what was that what was that film you were just saying I about I don't remember Pr- Prima is one Prima of them, Prima yeah. is that yeah, with an ER uh, Shane Kaluf independent filmmaker uh this was his first film Shane, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, man. 2004. Have you not seen it before? Uh, yes. Oh, I might have seen this, actually. I thought you might have seen it. I'm. It looks familiar. It looks familiar. I might I have seen it. I'm not sure. It, so I'm interested to watch it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'll be up for watching that, and then we'll, we'll figure out a, a second one. Try and... Uh, well, we'll... Yeah, we'll try it. We should try and yeah, do kind I'm of Yeah, I'm into it. I'm trying to think of this list now. And just mm. thinking we need to do a, a, a Leicester <laughs> film and a Tarrant film. We've got a few films in the back burner that we need to check out and we need to talk about. So, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll do those and then uh, we'll get our list together yeah, and that'll that give us some fun. stuff to go through anyway. Um, mate, well, thanks for fun. joining me for this one, as always. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you very um, much. If you... Uh, want to check out more of our stuff you can or like just shout at us and give us suggestions or whatever you can reach us on twitter at the movie brew instagram at the movie brew got a website up got facebook up it's all the same um so check us out there want to thank um jake brett aka tamarin for our music and also forest fire creations for our artwork um next episode will be up in a couple of weeks let me just check the date now that'll be the 28th of may there we go almost ruined it but i'm not got it right 5th of may 5th of 25th of may not the 28th of april which is what i was about to say (laughs) the 5th of may i see i think it's the the 25th of may that's a long time the hundredth of (laughs) january feb um no see see you next see you next quantum leap um yeah so uh yeah check us check check this uh, us out on the 5th of uh may and yeah we'll see you for the next one thanks guys thanks Welcome to the Movie Brew, 
Your nope, nope. Sorry, I'm gonna have your to start one-stop shop for movies <laughs> and bruises. I've I've had so many calls today that my phone voice just almost came through, and it was just yeah, it was it a was, bit formal. It was a bit formal. It was just, just like it was like I was almost saying you were speaking with Tarek. That was really bad. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the movie room. You're through to Tarek. How can I help? How can I help? <laughs> Fucking hell, God, that's embarrassing. I've gone all red. Um, okay. Uh, let me let me just try that one more time and try not to fuck up. <laughs>